I think I've, I've seen most of you before, uh, some of you anyway, for sure. Uh, just to kind of give you an understanding of who I am, my name's Tim Coleman, and that's getting lower and lower, isn't it? With <laughs> I'm a pastor of a church in the Midlands, in an area, what's called Rowley Regis, which no one can pronounce, so it's near Dudley. That, that's something everybody does understand. And uh, I'm married to Yvonne. I've been married 36 years, and I have three daughters. The eldest is 31, the next one's 28, and the other's 25. And we have a great life. We have a good church, good family. And uh, the reason for that is because I was brought up in a Christian home. No, it's not, actually. The reason for that is because we've made the pursuit of God, the pursuit of the reality of God, an everyday thing for us. So I know that you've been given a title for this weekend, How to Become a Worshipping Community, and it would be so easy to get into the, the teaching that you would normally get in a conference like that, that it's a way of life, it's the way you help people, it's all worship. I don't want to talk about that. I talk about the pursuit of, of God and the reality of that. Because really, in, um, in each of you and, and in me is this heart to want more of God. So I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, I suppose it might appear on a screen. I don't know how we're doing it today. Um, but you need to find John chapter 4, verse 23. I'm going to try and stick to the theme of worship because that's what I've been told. No, that's what I, I think we're, we're here for. Um, but I need you to find that, and while you're finding that, I'm finding a different scripture. That's okay, isn't it? So you're going to look at your verse, and I'm going to read something that it doesn't say where you are. Uh, but that's okay. So you're, you're definitely looking for John 4, <coughs> verse 23 and verse 24. So that's where we're going to base our... Uh, morning around those two verses. I'm hoping to have a break so, uh, and, and, and we'll have another session after the break so just bear with me as we, as we plod through it. A couple of sentences, so now you've found it in your Bibles, you see the reason for doing that now is so that you don't have to look for it when I'm talking. So you've got it, you can hold it there and pause there, right? Because there are certain things that have become, for me, the, the way I see life, the way I see ministry, the way I see family, the way I see just everything as, uh, comes from these very simple statements. So I'm no longer living for the presence, I'm living from the presence. These are very important statements that you need to get in your heart because depending on which of these two views you have depends on the kind of life you live. If you're someone living for the presence, then you, there's a sense that there could be distance, that there could be disapproval, that, that I have to please, Father. But if you're living from the presence, those things are already sorted in your heart. The second one is, I am living from favor and not for favor. So God doesn't have to do things for me, for me to know he loves me. I'm completely convinced of his love and his favour is all around me and so I live out of favour. And the third one is, I don't live for approval, I live from approval. They're three very simple statements, but they're not statements, they're truth. They are reality. So, you haven't found this verse, and I don't want you to find this verse, but it's in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17. And it says this, The Lord your God, in the midst of you, He is mighty, and He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you or perfect you with His love. And He will rejoice over you with singing. Four years ago, I read this verse. And I have these experiences. I don't know whether you have them. The common one that people have is they'll say something like this. I was reading this verse and it jumped out at me. You know that 
sort of people say that and that's fine that's great that's how God you know what that's step one on the hearing from God that's how he starts with all Christians but it is step one there are so many ways that he wants to take you into where you become aware of him speaking to you so when I read verses like this this is what happens to me I'm reading that verse and the Holy Spirit puts a emotion, a feeling, a, some kind of reaction inside me that says there's something in that and you need to find out what it is. So I don't have the revelation of what it is. I don't go, oh, that word's spoken to me. What's spoken to me is there's something in there you need to dig out, you need to search. I don't know what it is. I just know, I've looked at it, read it, and I've gone, oh, there's so much in there. So it's, it's, it's up to me to search that out. So for two years, I meditate on this verse. Excuse me. And I seek after what God is trying to say to me. And what I discover is, first thing, is he's dancing over me. And I, and I know you might say, well, it says that in the verse. But, but no, when he dances, he, it hurts. If you dance on someone, you know what I mean? He dances over you, so he's going, on my head. <laughs> His joy is pounding into me. Because when he dances, he dances because he's alive. And he's joyful over you. He delights in me. I can't imagine how much he delights in me. But what I saw from this, and what I began to come into the revelation of was, when Jesus comes out of the water and says, this is my son in you, I'm well pleased. Do you remember that? And he says it before he's done any work, before he's done any miracles. So the delight in Jesus was in him being his son, in him just being someone who he loves. And I, as I was reading this, he says, great is the mighty one. I'm so inside you, so in love with you, so delighted. You know, it makes me dance. And I began to feel and sense his joy. But then it says, and he sings over you. And I didn't know what that meant. And then one morning I woke up singing. I don't know if you've ever done that, woke up singing with a song in your head. Have you ever done that? Woke up and you're singing something. Or you woke up and you're thinking, why am I singing that song? Because he was singing while you were asleep. And you don't know, you didn't wake up singing that song. You were singing the song he was singing over you. Because he's singing over you. I think what he sings over me most of all is my original design. I think he's constantly singing who I am. And declaring who I am in the heavenlies. I think he's constantly... You know, Job uh, is the man where God, the Satan comes before God and God says, Have you seen my servant Job? He is so amazing. He's always singing of your glory and of your majesty and of your beauty and of your courage and your faith. The problem is, you don't believe all the things he says. As neither do I. He says so much about us. But this whole arena for me this morning is what I want to talk about is in this verse of John 4 verse 23 and 24 it says the time is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and truth for indeed the father is looking for people like that to worship him so what's God looking for? Looking for people who worship in spirit and truth. In fact, verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So I want to speak about more so the spirit part this morning than the truth. I'll explain the truth bit in one sentence because it's very easy. The truth is being real. So you know when you come to church and you're feeling really lousy and miserable and I've had a bad week and all of that, that's the time to worship. That's the time to give it him when it doesn't feel like you want to give it him. Truth means, don't come in and go, oh, well, I'm going to fake this. Because, you know, if I'm, cry, if I'm upset and crying, cry before him. Cry before him. That's real worship. That's true worship. When all our worship is just a, a symbol or just a, like, oh, well, you know, I'm copying what everybody else does. You know, they're all in a good mood. I'm not this morning, so I think I'll just hide at the back then. I think I'll just disappear into the corner. I won't. You know, I, I can't enter in this morning because I don't feel like it. That's the time for truth worship. 
That's the time when it costs. Bring a sacrifice of praise. That's the time. That, but that's the time when he dances. That's the time when he starts singing over the circumstance that you are crying out to him in. That's worshipping in truth. That was a simple one. The spirit one's another question altogether. We worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit. So what is this spirit part of you and part of me? I've done some drawings and I'm a really good drawer normally. <laughs> but not on this occasion. So uh, we're going to be looking at this kind of uh, situation. There's another one underneath. No, that's the, that's the second one then. Let's put that one up. There you go. The Bible says that he will present us faultless and that he will make us whole in spirit, soul and body. I don't know uh, kind of what you understand about uh, when you were born again, what happened to you, what dimensionally, physically, emotionally, spiritually happened to you. We know the scriptures that he took us from darkness to light, so we kind of know that scripture. How many of you know what it actually is like? What physically happened? What, you know, do you know that you used to belong to the kingdom of darkness? That you were held in it? That you were bound in it? That Satan had authority over you? That he had got you well and truly where he wanted you? And without you knowing anything about it, Jesus went into that place, duffed him up and picked you up and said, you're now mine. Now you belong to me. He can't touch you anymore. That's, that's being taken from the kingdom of doctrine. No, it's not. It's just, I put my hand up and said, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. That's what it meant. No, big battle when you got saved. Enemy pinned to the ground. I heard a lovely um, testimony of, uh, of these, these couple of Christians praying for someone, trying to cast out a demon. And, and, it, and it wasn't doing anything. You know, there was no reaction. And then the door burst open to the room and two big angels came walking in. Walked over to the spirit, the demon that was in this boat, pinned him on the floor, put the foot on this demon and says, you do what they say. Of course, we, we just go to church, don't we? We read our Bible and pray. This is happening. You've got angels encamped around you. Why? Because the demons want to get at you. And they can't. Because they're petrified. You know, if you knew what you knew... You'd be pretty powerful and scary people. You know what happened when you became a Christian? The light came in you. Such a light, so bright. I heard another testimony of a man who came from um, a background of being in the occult and that. And he shared his testimony about what he sees with Christians. He says, we were taught to see in the spirit realm. This is the demonic people. We were taught to see and we could see in Christians there's a light. How can they see it and we can't? What's the matter with us Christians? How come we can't see spiritual things but demon, you know, focused people can see it? So then what we do is if we're walking along and we see a Christian who's, who's got this light in them but they're walking along like this because they don't think they're a very good Christian. They don't think they're worthy of God's love. They don't think they says when we see Christians like that, we mock them. As we, this is what physically they did. They saw it, they would mock them, laugh at them as they walked past. It says, but when we saw a Christian with a light in them who knew who they were in God, it says they walked like this. It says, we were petrified, we ran over the other side of the road, we couldn't be near them. This is not a matter of, is this real? Is he it, is it, is it telling a good story? This is what's happening in the natural, spiritual realm right now. You just don't see it. You're just not aware. Don't live in the awareness of that. You know, the awareness for us is, you know, Yorkshire pudding and beef on a Sunday. That's what we're all thinking about. Come the weekend, where can we get, you know, the steak from? That's a reasonable price. We live in that realm, what we call the natural realm, you know? We come to church. And what do we do when we come to church? Do we come in and go, oh, the fragrance of Jesus is near? No, we come in and go, oh, somebody hasn't changed the toilet, you know, the loose stink, don't they? When you go. We're so naturally aware. We're focused in that natural realm. You know? How many of you, if you could see what, what was happening and who you were in the spirit, you'd, you'd have a ball really in this place. You'd be just so full of joy. 
We, we, we did something in our, our church some time ago, which we talked about, and I, you may have heard this phrase, um, talking about using words of life with one another, speaking words of life. I don't know if it's the same here, but in the Midlands, where we come from, particularly the black country is the, is the area we live in, Dudley, Wolverhampton, Sandwell, uh, West Bromwich, all that area, Cradley, comes under this umbrella, a name of the black country. It was called that because of the industry and all the smoke. But, but also, Queen Victoria came through uh, that black country in a train, closed the curtains. She didn't want to see this horrible, stinky place that we are. Like, you know. um, that was her, her vision of who we are. But there's something about the black country people. They love sarcasm, and they love to pull people down. Always, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that's, you know, that's a lovely shirt you've got, you know, for somebody half your age. You know, that's what they would do. I'm not doing that to you. I just, I just want you to. They, they would give a compliment, but they take it back with a bit of sarcasm. And it's something that we've all grown up with. We've all become used to. You know, that it's easier to pull down than it is to build up. You know. And we realized as we began to sp- say, we need to speak words of life. We need to come in and we need to encourage one another and bless one another. How hard it was. Because it wasn't natural. Spiritual, natural. You know what I'm saying? We don't see the spiritual thing. It's also not easy for some people to step and walk in spiritual things. So to say words of encouragement, do you know what it, be- it, got- it felt like? It felt like we were being, you know, um, unreal. We weren't telling the truth. It felt like we were, uh, you know, false False, uh, you know, compliments. That's all it was. Because it was so against the grain of what you naturally do. But we're not natural people. We are born again of the Spirit of God. And that's what I want to share with you for a few moments this morning. About when you became a Christian, what part of you was born again? And it's the spirit part of you that was born again. When God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, don't eat of that tree because the minute you eat of that, you will surely die. Okay, they didn't die physically, did they? Their bodies didn't die. Their souls didn't die. But the spirit part that was connected to God, that, that was the, the life source from God came through the spirit, that ceased to operate. So the whole of, 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 of us, we have a spirit, but it was dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. But when we're born again, it says you become a new creation. The old, the old nature has gone. It's finished. This is going to take some time for you to work this one out, right? The old nature has truly gone and is finished and is not seen anymore by God. We class the old nature as, as behavior and, and, and lying and cheating and, and doing things that we shouldn't do. We think that is old nature. So when we're Christians and we still do that, we think we've still got the old nature. But what happened, according to Scripture, is that the old, gone. The new has come. I will explain what's happening here, right? But bear with me. We need to get some very basic foundations laid here. If we're going to worship him in spirit, what is spirit? Just what is that? Because there is a natural me, a a human me, a physical me, that can worship him. It's possible. You go to the football match, anybody who's ever done that, or you go to a concert, anybody who's done that, and and you're off. You're, You're away, you shout louder than you do in church. You bow down to the singers and, you know, you love them, you think they're all, oh, why don't you touch them? That's not spirit. That's flesh. Don't tell me you can't come to church and not worship in flesh. Because it's, it's something we naturally can do. But we're looking for people who worship in spirit. Now how do we do that if we don't even know what the spirit part of me is? And how it works and how it operates? Okay, God has put within you something awesome. A perfect spirit he has put within you. So... Um, let, let me give you this little example, because I, I gave this to the worship team, but as the worship team are aware, we're going a little bit further than we did last night with this. Uh, so he, here you are, 
This is you. All these three are you. Not, not, not this one, this one, or this one. This is all of you. It's happening right now in the middle of you. So some people draw this image normally like that, don't they? The spirit, the soul, and the body. Some people do it like this, show it in this sort of diagram. And that's okay. That's okay. At the heart, at the center of you, the core of you is the spirit. is being born again within you, right? Actually, I like... Another, um, um, this is not on my notes. So yeah, I'm all right now. <laughs> I like that for a second, but there's a, there's a better way of doing this. Four. So we've got spirit, soul, body. What gives life to the spirit? God. So in actual fact, at the core of you is God. At the core of you is the love of God. What makes your spirit alive is that God puts his love in you. So look at it this way. If you, in your spirit, are made alive by the love of God, it, it, you know the Bible says this, and, and, and I'll probably be talking more about this Sunday morning, but the Bible says this, that we love him, or we love, because he first loved us. You know that scripture that says, this is the commandments. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And if you don't, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. It doesn't say that bit. The second bit says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord with all your... How many of you love him with all your heart? Um, well, I'm trying. How many of you love him with all your mind? You never think about anything else but God. Uh, well, on a Sunday afternoon, a Saturday morning, when the, my team are playing, maybe I'm not thinking about you, God. How many of you love him with all your strength? See where I'm going with this? How is it possible? How is it possible? In fact, Jesus saying to us, let's get rid of all those commandments and just put it down to one. He's made it worse. He's made it even more impossible. How can I possibly love you, God, the way you want to be loved? Well, it's very simple. When I have been loved by him, then I know how to love. I don't even know how to love until I have been loved. This is what this scripture means. So when you were born again, you were exposed to the love of God and something went alive in you. The love of God birthed your spirit. So that spirit then, full of the love, wants to put it into your soul and into your body. But let's not bother with that right now. Get back to this picture. So I did this with the, with the worship team last night. How, how do you know that you look all right? I'm having a look down the room and I'm thinking, most of you must have done something to look like that. Uh, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> how many of you, I mean this morning I got up out of shower. Uh, went into uh, the bedroom and you know, uh, probably did what everybody else does. Looked in the mirror. Just to make sure. Have you ever washed your hair? Not dried it properly? And then walked out the house like that? Anybody ever done that? One or two people putting their hands up. You need a mirror, love. Um, it's not normal to do that. We, we use a mirror in the natural realm to see how we look. Do we look okay? You know? You get up in the morning, you know you've got that pillow hair. You know what I mean? It's, it's like that. You know, it's like, oh, hello. You look in the mirror and it's there and you go, ah, I need to wet that, put that down. If you didn't look in the mirror, you'd just go out going, hello everybody, how you doing? <laughs> you wouldn't do it. You look in the mirror to see what you look like to make sure you look okay. That's what you do with your body. You look to see what it looks like. Is it okay? Does that colour go with that? Does, you, know, you know, is that the right lipstick for that hair colour, you know? And then the women as well, they do, you know. <laughs> but here we are, in the natural realm, we are often aware of the need to look a certain way. And so we look in mirrors to see that we're looking how we hope we look. That which was born within you, the Spirit of God, which was born within you, it says that the Spirit of Christ is in you. That has come perfect. 
What I'm about to say, I asked this question last night, so I'm not going to ask it today, because I realised we don't, we don't quite get this. I would have asked, so don't answer the question, I would have asked, is what Christ has put within you perfect? And I don't want to ask it, because I don't want you to fit, answer it wrong. The truth is, what is in you is complete. The scripture says that we are complete in him. That doesn't mean we are part complete. It doesn't mean that we're on the way to completion. It means that we are. It means that this part of who I am, I am spirit, soul, and body. In fact, somebody puts it this way: When you're a Christian, you are a spirit who has a soul in a body. So, first of all, you are a spirit, right? That spirit, which has been born again, which is alive, which is put within you, is beautiful and perfect and victorious and full of faith and full of knowledge the bible says you have the mind of christ it says we have the mind of christ was he thick don't answer that question yeah yeah yeah, right he wasn't thick he knew all things in fact it says in in uh, in john somewhere it says that when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all things and he will show you things to come your spirit is connected with the Spirit of God and it knows all things. You just don't know what you know. How many of you have done original design? I don't mean had it done to you. We've all had, a lot of us will have had original design. People have heard for us and they've got it, you know, really good. How many of you have had the experience of listening to God for someone else and you got a word for them. If you've had that experience, would you put, put your hands up? Okay, that's fantastic. Where did that come from? Where did you get that knowledge? Because within you, within you, the Spirit of God that's within you knows all things. It does. So when you give yourself a minute to say, Lord, what, just what do you, how do you see this person? You, you are saying at that moment, I'm coming out of my body. I'm not listening to my soul. I'm connecting with my spirit. What what are you saying about this person? You are now engaging with the spirit to speak a word into someone's life. Are are you hearing? You're going to get this definition clearer and clearer as I go through. But that's what happens. So how do I know what I look like in the spirit then? This is what the word is for. You look into the word... And God speaks to you about who you are in Christ. Now, it's okay to do this. You could get that uh, concordance and look up every verse that says, in Christ. Because it's all true. Your spirit already knows it. What part of you doesn't know that you are complete in him? It's not your spirit. Your spirit knows it. It's your soul, which is where the mind is in control. The mind, now what's the mind? That's that's the knowledge that I've acquired through my lifetime. And... The, the natural things that, uh, that, that I've acquired... Do you know, I, I used to think I was inferior to everybody else. I had a terrible, what you call, inferiority complex. I would, and I carried it with me up until 11 years ago. And I've been in ministry some years. So I used to sit with other ministers in group meetings with ministers, feeling completely intimidated by every one of them, hoping I never got asked anything, because I, 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 I just felt that I was a fraud. I wasn't a fraud. I've been a good boy all my life. I've been safe since the age of five. For goodness sake, how long do, have I got to, you know, do this exam to prove that I'm, you know. But there I was, sat there, thinking that these are all the experts. These are the, these are the real people, you know. I'm just, I've got thrown into this, really. I've just fallen into it because my dad was a pastor, so I've ended up becoming one, and I don't really know if it's... And all of that was, was what my mind was believing. You remember Gideon? I'm getting off track here, but I will come back, I promise. Gideon had this view of himself, that he was the least in the family, and his family was the least in Israel. His view of himself determined 
how he lived his, his life. So his view of himself was, I am nobody, so he hides in caves. Right? The impression, the belief, the image, the whatever you have of yourself determines how you're living your life. So I was happy in those things because I had an inferiority complex to let everybody else do it and not say a word and not speak. And hopefully get away with that and get out before anything happened. Because I was, I was but God comes along and says, Hail, mighty man of valor. And just like Gideon, you go, who? Who are you talking to? If God was to call you by your name, you'd go, who? Now I want to say this bit to you because maybe you'll get it. Your spirit man already knows your name. Already knows the glory of who he is. Already walks in the power of the love of God. It's not yet been picked up by the old soul and mind. We've got these images which were given to us by family, which were given to us by circumstances, which were given to us by our education system. Somehow we've been brought up and influenced by so much. What has to happen is, like had happened with Gideon and happened with me, is there's a choice. There's what God says I am. When Gideon stepped into that image, he took on the Baal, the prophet, the idol. He took on the Midianites in his new name. He took it all on. Do you remember Jacob um, wrestles with God? Oh, I've got to be careful because this is in the next session. I do go all over the place. But God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Do you remember that? Do you, do you know that Jacob represents the natural man? Israel represents the spiritual man. From that time he wrestles with God... And he gives him the name Israel. If you read through the rest of, uh, of Genesis, you'll find that he's referred to as Jacob sometimes and he's referred to as Israel at other times. There's a real sense that sometimes we act in our natural man and sometimes we act in our spiritual man. There's a real process of that going on with all of us, right? When he blesses his children at the end of his life, it says Israel blesses his kids because he steps into his identity as a spirit person. It's as simple as that, is what's going on inside us. There's this spirit that has been born in us, that is complete. And is, Do you know the spirit in you has no fear? So if you have fear, where's that? Where's that fear in you? Where does it, where's it residing? It's residing in your body and in your soul or your mind. It's not in your spirit. So I'm going to say this to you. We want people to come... And lay hands on us and go, in the name of Jesus, get out for you. We want, it, we want them to come and, and do something to us. But I've got news for you. The peace of God rests in your spirit. What we really need to release is what we are inside. Jesus, in the boat, asleep. They're all panicking. Fear has gripped them. We're going to drown. He's asleep. Because he's asleep... In the peace of God. There's a storm, but he's in the peace. So when he gets up and he says to the winds and the waves, peace be still, what is he doing? He's coming from his place of peace, which is within him, and he's declaring to that around him, peace. He's releasing what is within him. And so the storm ceases. He's not saying, God, would you send peace on this storm? He's releasing what he's living from. Man, if you don't want to praise the Lord, you don't have to. But there's a few noddings going on. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. So the Father is looking for people who will worship him in, in this. And, and I'm only just introducing you to what this is. And we've been, we've been kind of led this idea that, you know, we're worshipping in... What is worshipping in spirit? From, from what I understand growing up, because I was brought up in a Pentecostal church, was worshipping in spirit was singing in tongues. <laughs> that was worshipping in spirit, you know. If you could say, you know, you were, you were, you were in, you know. Uh, but no, worshipping from the spirit is worshipping from... That which has been put within you, that new creation within you. 
Now, let me just say this to you, just to blow your minds. Okay? You're, you know what the Bible says? We're seated with him in heavenly places. Anybody? Okay. I don't want to pick on anybody. What's it look like there? You're sat there. Tell me what it looks like. Can anybody tell me? Is the chair red? Where you're sitting? Is it gold? Is it silver? I once had an experience. A, a, a guy from Fulham prayed with, with a bunch of us. And he said, okay, I'm going to do this experiment with you. It's always a strange thing to say. Isn't it? Experiment with you. He says, I'm, I want you to imagine you. And he did it with us in twos. So, like, you'd all be sat there. Two people would come out and he would pray with them. And then they'd go back and two more would come out. And I was out with this, these two. He says, I want you to imagine yourself in the throne room of God. He says, and just let the picture reveal itself and see what you see so I close my eyes and I see a a row of thrones and I'm sat on one of these and Jesus is sat next to me and he's leaning over and we're giggling he's leaning over and he's got his hand cupped like this and and as I see this picture I'm going what's he saying I wish I knew what he was saying but it was happening this picture was was happening like you know and I'm going wow and uh I just felt the Lord saying that you're, this is where we are. We're seated in this place. And I'm talking with you all the time. I'm going, well, I wish I was hearing all the time, you know. So anyway, this moment came to a close and, and the guy says, yeah, okay, now you guys, you can go and sit back down. I went and sat back down. And of course, you know when things are going on out here and you're all sort of being left to wait? You natter. So the people next to me start nattering. About football or something, you know. And I had this real sense within me. I thought, I want to go back there. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just turn me back on them, ignore them. And I, and I just closed my eyes, and I was back in that place. But I was a five-year-old boy standing on my chair. And I saw that picture, and I said, God, what, what's that? Well, I gave my life to Jesus at the age of five. And Jesus said to me, when you were five... You took your place in this chair. He says, you got on it like any child would. You've grown into it and you know what to do with it now. But as a child, you had a place in heaven and you stood there. That was so revelationary for me. Here's, here's, where, I'm going. here's where I'm going with this. That part of me, that spirit part of me, can see all of that. Knows all of that. Can believe all of that. Can walk in all of that. But I've got a soul part of me that sees another image, that has another opinion. Okay, now you're getting the picture. Now you're beginning to see it. So Romans 12, verse 2. Could I have a glass of water? There probably is one somewhere. Fantastic, lovely. So what has to happen? What is going on inside you, what is going on inside me, is God has put something in you that is perfect, that is complete, that is whole, but he's put it inside a soul and a body that is not perfect and complete and whole. In order that... There's a, you've put that, have you put that verse up yet? No? Romans 12... Verse 2. But there is a scripture in um, 1 Corinthians, I think it's 3 verse 14 or something like that, that says this. The natural mind does not receive the things of the Spirit. The natural mind, which is this, the soul, does not receive the things of the Spirit. For they are spiritually discerned. So this is how it works within you. You may not know this is going on. You will from this moment on. This is what happens to you as a Christian. God doesn't speak to your body. And he doesn't speak to your soul. He speaks to your spirit. So this is what's going on. And I don't even know I've got one. You know what I mean? I don't even know it's working. How do I know? So you know you say, oh, I have those moments I'm reading and it jumps out at me. Hello, that's your spirit going, I'm here. I know this. Okay, you with me, yeah? So God speaks, 
Your spirit has two things, two extremely important things. One, it's very conscious of the presence of God. It's your, you know when you come in and you feel, oh, God's here this morning. That's not your flesh. That's not your soul. That's your spirit. It's, it's gone. It's here. It's so part of you that you feel like it's your soul or your mind, you know. But it's your, when you sense that, that's the spirit. That's you suddenly engaging with what your spirit is feeling. Fantastic. And the second thing is truth or revelation comes to the spirit. It doesn't come to your mind. It doesn't come to your body, your soul. Truth comes to your spirit. So when we began this session, I said, now I'm going to make you, you know, don't get the sucker, don't get the sweets out, you know, don't get settled down for a sermon. Stay in the spirit. Why am I saying that? Because his spirit witnesses with your spirit. So Jesus said these things. He says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So I have to try and understand, and I try to get my congregation, and I'm hoping to get you to understand, you have a mind. It's part of your soul. But that's not where revelation comes. It's not where transformation comes. It comes when your spirit speaks. When you catch something in your spirit, when your spirit releases. So don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what transforms the mind is when the spirit speaks. When you hear in your spirit who you are. You know when you have this original design, people say, you know, you're a cat, you're fluffy and you're nice, you know, whatever they do, you know. And you might be a spiky person who's not very nice, really. Uh, so it's like, oh, that's Gideon and, you know. Those. But something in you goes, wow, that is so me. That's the spirit. Now, all I'm doing this morning is getting you to be aware that A, this is fully already within you, complete, perfect. It's not, you know, the, he hasn't given you an empty spirit and said, right, now that's it. Spend your rest of your life trying to fill it up. Because we're useless. We're absolutely, you know, if, if it was down to us to make ourselves better Christians, something is happening supernaturally in me that's making me more alive, more free, more holy, and becoming more of what I already am. I'm replacing the lies, the thoughts, the minds with the truth. And so I begin to live happier, freer, more victorious. But not because something new is happening, but because what has already been put in there is starting to come out. I'm starting to remove the barrier. Okay, you know, the Bible, the Bible tells us that there were two gardens in the tree. It... <laughs> you can keep that. I'd like that to remain there. Two trees in the garden. The tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Do you know, you and I have been eating of the tree of knowledge for years. It's how we were educated. It's the Western mindset. Is intelligence, knowledge, power comes with knowledge. So we grow up, we have to achieve a certain level of education. We have to be at a certain point. You go to Kenya or any of these places where they don't have, a lot of them won't have had any schooling. They move in the power of God. How? How can you do that when you don't know what you're doing? They don't need to know what they're doing because they're operating from the spirit, not from the natural. We have been so educated to operate from knowledge, conscience, reason, that that's how we come to know God. It sounds like a reasonable thing. God, I think, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Da, 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 da. And it's all like intellectual understanding. But what's been put in you is a spirit that eats of the tree of life. So even now, that's why when I stood at the beginning, I thought, let's get you disconnected from your brains. Get you disconnected from your logic reason, trying to work all this out, and let you begin to feel in your spirit, this is true. Oh man, I've not heard this. Thank you, God. This is really helping me. This is really... Because that's the spirit going, hello, I'm in here. You're alive. Did he put a dead spirit in you or a live spirit in you? A live one. 
So if you ever, 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 ever are feeling dead and low and sad and miserable, it's in your soul. It's all in the soul. The other thing is, this part of us, the soul and the body, operates by the five senses. Taste, touch, smell, you know, those five. So we, we are constantly, you know, that's why, why Christians, we have this thing, don't we? Um, we call it faith. It's a difficult concept for, for many people because, you know, if, if you can't see something, how can it be real? It, it's, a, it's a real issue for many, many Christians. I've got to believe God. Yeah, I know, I know that these are all, I know it all here, right? But when I see him heal, then I believe he heals because that's how it works, isn't it? When it happens, then I know it's real. Your spirit doesn't need anything to happen to believe it's real. Your spirit within you knows a hundred percent God can heal every sickness and even when he doesn't it has no issue the only person who has an issue is you in your soul why hasn't God done it for me why isn't this working because your spirit's going you don't understand how does Job get on loses everything loses the whole thing and then God turns up and I always think this is, this is hilarious to me. God turns up and instead of going, now Job, you've had a tough one. It's been hard. I just want to bless you. He says, have you got any idea, Job, what's going on? He says, do you, do you know how Father C comes? Did you, did, did you decide how Father C could come? Do you know how this works in, you, in the universe? Do you know how that, the character of hearts, do you know how that's produced? Do you know why people be able to... And Job, by the time of all the questions, he goes, I don't know anything. So I'm not going to understand what's happening to me. I don't know anything. And then he says this. My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. It's time to move from hearing, knowing what I think I know, to seeing who he is. And you can't see through the mind and the body. You see through the spirit. That's why these moments of flashes of revelation happen for you. Are you enjoying this? Yeah. Cool. Let's stop then. No, no. Um, I'm going to stop in a minute. Can you put a couple more verses and then we're going to uh, do... We'll be another five, maybe ten minutes max and then we're going to have a stop for a, a five-minute break. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. You need this just to finish this section off. This will be really helpful to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read 47, 48 and 49. <clears throat> so I suppose what I'm saying is that the journey of transformation of you becoming the son of God, the man of God, the woman of God is actually an internal one. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? My growing up was to become like Christ means I had to behave like him. So it was, it was an external change. It was like, you know, no more... Well, I never drank at five anyway, you know what I mean? And smoke. I never have drunk and smoked. But, you know, no more drinking, no more smoking, you know, no more buying things on a Sunday. That's how I was brought up, strict man. You know, there was, you know it was what you stopped doing meant you lived like Christ. Oh, no, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's, it's when what Christ has put in me begins to come out and manifest, begins to become real. My behaviour changes. My mind starts to change. But this is great. So the first man was of the dust. Now, the, you know the Bible says there's two Adams. It's a strange thing, isn't it, this? But the first Adam was Adam. <laughs> and the second Adam is Christ. So the first man, or the first Adam, was of the dust of the earth. The second man is from heaven. So that's Adam was from the dust. Jesus is from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. As is the man from heaven so also are those who are from heaven. Get the next verse, it's even better. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we also bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Come on. I had, was born in the dust. I've been brought up in the dust. I know how the dust works and it thinks 
earthly. It's naturally focused. But the Spirit has been born in me to connect me with heaven. And now I can think heavenly things and I can think things that are higher than the things of the earth. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Just as your rain comes, he said, my thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. And guess where you are? Higher. Did you not know that? You're not lower. You're higher. You're not the tail. You're the head. You're not, you know, all these people quote all these lovely scriptures. Because it's true. But where is it true? Here. In your spirit, man. But I still have this soul part of me, this natural part of me that wakes up and I feel depressed. So I must be depressed. I feel low, so I must be low. I was driving down to London, not this time, the time before, and I've had a problem with uh, indigestion. Uh, so so I take home, I've been taking omeprazole. You know, it's just like this real uncomfortable heartburn indigestion stuff. And I've had it for, for years. And I'm driving down in the car. And I'm, I think it was probably that last conference we was, we was at. I'm not sure, not sure. I think it was. Which we did here. Uh, well, we did it. Um, you guys came to it. But it was, yeah. In, anyway. I'm driving down. And I'm either going to be leading worship that day or whatever. And it starts to, in the car, I can feel it. Oh, I don't want this. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't... So I did something I've never done before. One of the highest, if not the highest authority in heaven is the blood of Jesus. It's what he went into heaven with. It's the only thing that is my defense against everything. So I just sat in the car driving down and I said, Right, indigestion, you explain to the blood... Why you have any right to stay in my body. See, because the Bible said that the blood speaks a better word than that of... So I thought, well, if it speaks, you two have a conversation. (laughs) Immediately it left. And I have never had it since. This was something of me... Driving my car in the natural, thinking in the natural, you know, getting mad at that bloke who's cut me up in the natural. Suddenly responding in my spirit, going to a different place, speaking from a different mind than the natural one. Something supernatural. And my body, which is waiting for all feelings and sensations, responded to something from my spirit. And it changed. Man, that's something to leave you with. We're going to stop there. Just as, oh, he's turned now. Sorry. Just as you bore the image of, and the likeness of the man from earth, just as you've had that like everybody else, so you're going to bear the image of the man of heaven. You're going to think heavenly. You're going to experience heavenly because it's in you. Amen. Be blessed. Have a lovely cup of tea now and a cake and an orange and a whatever. And we'll get back to it in about 15 minutes if that's okay. Cool. Bless you guys.